When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you so much for coming along on the journey of this podcast. I started it seven years ago and now almost 700 episodes with the whole idea of just having access to smart, cool people who were doing interesting things in the world of business. And today we're going to talk to one of those smart, cool people who always wears plaid. His name is Jay Bear, and if you don't know Jay Bear, you obviously, when it comes to the world of of customer service and marketing, you have been living under a rock. We'll get to Jay in just a second, but first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Stanton Chase International, one of the leading global executive search firms serving as trusted advisors to help companies build their senior leadership teams. And those of you who listen regularly know that I work with Stanton Chase. So if you're looking to grow your executive team, reach out to me and I can put you in touch with some of the best search consultants in the entire world. All right. So today I am joined by Jay Bear. He helps companies clone their customers by exceeding and escalating the customer expectations. He does this by really being hands-on with people, and he's just a nice guy. As I said before, he always wears plaid on stage, and he is a licensed tequila salmonier. I didn't even know that was a thing. And he is a certified barbecue judge, which means I need him to come to Austin, Texas, and we will go on a barbecue adventure so that he can certifiably decide who has the best barbecue in all of Austin. Hey, Jay, welcome to Making Waves at Sea Level. Tom Singer, my friend, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be the life raft here on Making Waves at Sea Level. I will take you up on the Pan Austin Barbecue Tour Anytime, because that is the uh, the heartbeat of barbecue, at least uh, barbecue made from cows, uh, other barbecue made from other animals from other parts of the United States. But we'll have to make that happen. Great to be here, my friend. Hey, glad to have you. You know, so a lot of things have happened in the last couple of years in the world of business. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, you, you may have noticed about that. So I want to just start off because you go deep with the customers that you work with. What are some of the things that are different that you see for the companies that you work for now versus before the pandemic when it comes to what their what their customers want? Is there anything different pre and post pandemic? I think the biggest difference, Tom, is that customers of all types, including your customers, my customers, the customers of, of everybody tuning into the show are willing to drop you for a competitor in a way that they were not willing before. There's a new report from McKinsey came out not long ago that suggests that 75% of customers have made a purchase, a B2B, this is the one that really gets me um, to to hit the tequila, 20% of business 
entirety of their suppliers since the pandemic. So a completely new cast of characters buying from totally different uh, businesses. And that is unprecedented. That kind of um, changing horses, we never saw that in the past. And so the question then becomes, well, why? Why are people making different buying decisions? Is it that they're trying to save money? No, that's not why. Uh, in fact, approximately a third of all customers say that price matters to them less than it did before the pandemic. What matters more is how easy are you to buy from? Lack of hassle has been elevated dramatically in everybody's sort of bullet points that they mentally think about when making a purchase. And some companies are really hard to buy from. And some companies are hard to buy from almost as a badge of honor. Uh, and it's no longer honorable. So that's interesting when you talk about how fast people are willing to, you know, change vendors, because it used to be there was something in, in that sense of loyalty, right? So why do you think that has changed so drastically in just a couple of years? Because nobody wants to tolerate uh, hassle anymore. They, they don't want to waste time. They don't want to be confused. They don't want to be disrespected. Uh, they, they just won't tolerate it anymore. And in almost every single category of business, there's another alternative that is pretty much just as good, if not better. This idea that you can treat your customers uh, with some level of mediocrity because you have a unique and, and better mousetrap typically doesn't really hold water, at least not for very long. And everybody's wise to that game now. Um, and, and so if you can't deliver the sort of speed and customer service and empathetic attitude that customers demand now, you're going to lose those customers. Maybe you can gain some others, but you'll lose those too. Okay. So with all of these changes then in the way people look at this, what should a company be doing right now to make sure that they're not losing customers? Well, you should be listening to making waves at sea level first <laughs> and foremost, but uh, secondarily, uh, we need to, that should be the, yeah, that's the first thing. We've got to reassess what it is that customers actually care about. It's interesting, uh, as you know, and as you alluded to at the top of the show, uh, I've had a consulting firm for a long, long time and helped lots of brands through these issues. And it's fascinating to me, Tom, how few companies have actually done new customer research since the pandemic. Obviously, we've had a lot of other things on our plate. It's been a crazy time. We got a lot of things to solve for. But what I'll tell you is if your most recent sort of customer data about customer attitudes and customer expectations, customer desires, um, problems that customers may have with your company, things that customers love about your company. If your most recent data is pre-pandemic, you actually don't have any data. What you have is intuition and nothing else. And if we accept the premise that customer attitudes have fundamentally changed, and you should accept that premise because it is largely true, then if attitudes have changed, you need to figure out how they've changed and how that actually impacts what you deliver from a product or service capability. So the first thing I would tell you, listen to the podcast. Second thing, do a new suite of research around customer attitudes. Third thing is take the results of that research and re-architect your customer experience across the totality of the customer journey um, because how you used to do things in 2019 are probably not good enough anymore for many of your customers. So I'm, I'm surprised that, you know, I'm not surprised that this is your advice, but I'm surprised that like companies haven't thought of this, that most of them are still working off of 2019 data. So are there certain industries that are more impacted by these changes than others? 
it depends on how you think about more impacted. Um, I would, I would say the, the less expensive your product or service is, the more prone to switching your customers are typically because the switching cost, both literally and metaphorically is lower. It doesn't really require much of me as a consumer to go to Burger King instead of Wendy's. Like it's a different drive-through, like it's not going to have a huge impact, but to change banks is a whole thing, right? And, and to change car dealers is a whole thing. And when you get into business to business to change global suppliers of ball bearings or whatever is a whole other thing, right? So at some level you can, you can forestall this consumer's desire to rid themselves of hassle just because the, the, the hassle involved with making a switch is, is bigger, but ultimately everybody reaches their breaking point. And I think we all know anecdotally uh, sitting around drinking beers, uh, many, many customers have received treatment from businesses that is uh, less than satisfactory. In fact, you might not be surprised to know Tom that the ASCI, uh, the America or ACSI, the American customer service index, which is the metric that measures overall customer satisfaction with all things business is sort of a roll together indices that, that measures sort of takes everybody's temperature is the lowest it's ever been in recorded history. (laughs) So I just want to, I just want to run this back. Okay. Customers are less happy with business in the United States than they have ever been in the history of business. That's a problem. Uh, but it is also a huge opportunity. Customers expect so little right now. They expect you to hang up on them. They expect you to annoy them. They expect to be confused. We've trained them to expect so little that if you can just re-architect your customer experience uh, and do a couple of things well, they will absolutely beat a path to your door. So it's interesting. As you were walking through that, what came to mind was the airline industry. I mean, clearly with what's gone on the last year or so in the airline industry, people are fed up, customer service is crap, and the deliverables that they're having across the lines, you know, it doesn't matter which brand you're, you're, you're to, they're all having cancellations, they're all having delays, they're all having these things. What can an industry do when they're facing this sort of across the lines? Is there something the whole industry can do or something like one player could do to capitalize on it? It's fascinating that you bring up that example um, because, yes, they are having some problems. (laughs) I think that's a a way to describe it. But they're also record profits, record windfall profits. They're making money hand over fist uh, because they've been one of the leaders in in what we call in the customer experience business uh, shrinkflation right? Where, where uh, it's not that they have raised prices. They have in some cases, but they've just taken things away, right? They don't have booze. They don't have snacks. They don't have, you know, they've just, they've, they've saved themselves money. Uh, and we're like, yeah, I guess that's how it works now. Uh, and, and meanwhile, they sort of pocket the difference. And you, you said a really interesting thing, Tom, as you always do, which is could, could one player in that industry uh, make moves that then would elevate them to the top of the industry. Absolutely. And it shocks me that nobody's done it. I, I think it's because some of their problems are so structural with, with labor and, and a bunch of other issues that, that even if they wanted to, nobody can break out of the pack right now. But I suspect that 
at some point in 2022, that will happen. One of the airlines will say, all right, we're not going to be one of the seven dwarves here. We're going to be Snow White. And so we're going to bring back some services. We're going to improve our customer experience to pre-pandemic levels or maybe even better than that. Uh, and we're going to try and be the one that doesn't suck. Uh, that's definitely a business strategy. Clearly, in a in an industry that is so complicated operationally, it's easier to say in a podcast than it is to make stick. But I believe somebody will try to do it um, at some point this year because it's just it's ripe for the picking. Awesome. All right, so let's shift this over to uh, people and their teams because in order to do these things that you talk about, you have to have everybody sort of on board. So how can companies get their teams and their different departments and everybody involved, how can they get them working in sync so that they're working towards having that standout customer experience? One of the things that's absolutely true, but doesn't get talked about enough, Tom, is that to have a great customer experience, you absolutely positively first have to have a great employee experience. You cannot divorce the two. Now, you can have good customer experience and mediocre employee experience, but you can never have great customer experience unless you also have great employee experience. And one of the big problems now is that business work, how we interact with our colleagues has been disrupted so much. And now for so long that we don't work together in the same way or, or potentially as well. You add to that the fact that in many organizations, they have solved for that challenge, work from home, for example, by adding layer upon layer upon layer of, of technology solutions. Well, we're not in the same office, but we're going to use uh, Zoom or, or we don't have annual meetings anymore, but we do this other thing or whatever the circumstances are. Here's what I know. Rapid adoption of new technology rarely yields outstanding customer or employee experience. In fact, quite the opposite, right? It causes a bunch of drama. And so what we've got to understand is that internally, we've got to give our own colleagues a break. We've got to focus on what I like to call the three dimensions of customer experience, which are also the three dimensions of employee experience. And they are these. You've got to be quick, clear, and kind. Quick, clear, and kind. What's amazing about that is, is so often when customers are waiting for an answer, the reason the customer is waiting for an answer from the company and gets increasingly frustrated is because somebody in the company is waiting for an answer from a colleague. Today, we often interpret speed as caring. I'm working on some cabinets uh, for my house, getting some new cabinets, kitchen remodel. Talk to three cabinet makers. One cabinet maker got back to me in 36 hours. One got back to me in four days. The other got back to me in nine days. Tom Singer, which cabinet maker do you think I went with? The one who got back to you first. Correct. As would be the case for almost everybody if the prices were even in the same ballpark. So we interpret speed as caring. They care about the business enough to actually get back to me. And the same goes true internally with your colleagues. If somebody asks you for something, Don't wait around or wait until you have the answer. Acknowledge the question and say, oh, Tom, I got your question. I have to look it up. I'll get back to you. Then it takes it off of your mental checklist and makes everything work more smoothly. The same thing with clear, right? So many customers are confused now because things have changed with this digital transformation. And, you know, a lot of my friends are small business owners and their operating hours change by the week. 
Now we're not open on Wednesdays. Now we close at seven. People don't even know how it works anymore. I went to, I went to the fireplace store here in town um, not long ago. I needed to have a guy work on a flu. Uh, and I go to the, yeah, not, not flu sick, but flu chimney sweep. Um, and I went to the fireplace center, looked it up on Google, said, uh, yeah, Wednesday, nine to five. Great. Get there. Sign tape to the door. From now on, closed on Wednesdays for inventory. I'm like, great fantastic right so same thing internally when your colleagues are confused whose responsibility is that it's your responsibility to unconfuse them and the same thing with the third dimension tom which is kindness we are in an era of empathy deficit and that wasn't always the case i am old enough as are you my friend to remember a time when treating customers and one another our colleagues our friends with kindness and respect and dignity and humanity, we didn't even have a name for it. We just called it life. We just called it business, right? So I'm a seventh generation entrepreneur. Uh, and the number of times I talked to my dad or my grandfather about treating customers or colleagues with respect, zero times, never in my whole life, because it wasn't a conversation that needed to be had. It was self-evident. It was ipso facto. It was axiomatic. But now we've lost our way and, and treating one another, whether it's in, in life or friends or customers or politics or sports, it doesn't matter. We don't treat each other with kindness as a default. And that makes me really sad. But I'll also tell you for purposes of the podcast, it's a huge opportunity because if you can treat your colleagues and or your customers with just a little kindness, my gosh, it stands out so much. It can literally be the difference between getting the sale and not getting the sale. It can be the difference between that colleague staying in this company or quitting like everybody else. Just try a little tenderness. So I've actually seen that. You know, I came out of the, the the legal business. I was a director of marketing for two large law firms. And it used to be that if if a, if a lawyer was a jerk but was billing a couple of million dollars, they just made excuses and let it go. And now I do consulting and speaking inside law firms on business development. And they don't stand for it anymore. Firms nope. will, will, you know, you can have a big book of business, but if you're a dick, they're going to get you right out the door. Even lawyers, yeah. even, even lawyers have had enough, right? So that tells you all you need to know uh, about about this topic, right? And and um, every situation with every person in the world gives you a choice, and you can choose empathy, or you can choose the opposite, and that's on you. And I will tell you, if you choose the empathy route, uh, there's a lot of oxygen on the high road. And it can be a real, uh, a real advantage for you. So you brought up an interesting point a few minutes ago about like, you know, all of this fast change of technology, which hit us pretty hard over the last couple of years, right? I mean, Zoom had existed for 10 years and you and I had used it, but most people out there were like, Zoom, what is that? Is, yeah. is that a Mazda commercial? Or if you say it twice, right. Right. Know, Zoom, Zoom. Uh, so people weren't really sure what it was. And we've gone this entire route and we've moved all of our employees into a remote workforce and all this. And a lot of people say, oh, well, our culture is fine. Well, yes, because everybody used to work together and they had, you know, this great history. As we're now adding new people, as people are leaving, we have a lot of people leaving companies. As people are being added on, do you think that this whole remote culture will work as well as a lot of people said it did off the bat, once you bring in new players who don't have time to build the face-to-face reaction and build that stuff. I know it can work as well. And I say that because my consulting firm has been hundred percent virtual since the day we started in 2008 with people all over the world. So I know it can work, um, but it's not easy 
to do that. And, and I think my organization has a huge advantage in that we never had it any other way to, to shift a culture from face to face and in person to virtual and try to make it work. I think is much harder than building a culture from the beginning virtually. So uh, I know it can work, but it's not easy to get there because like anything else, people are always pining for the days of yore. Remember when we used to get together and we'd have birthday parties in the break room, those were the days, right? And, and it, you, you can't, you, you you can't ignore that. Um, it's just human. It's just human nature um, in that regard. So you have to, as a leader, really work at it. And and it's not just hey, let's have a uh, you know a Zoom happy hour. There's more to it than that. But you've got to really force the team to be interacting with one another at times and about topics that are not business. Right. So so in my organization. Um, there's lots of talk about vacations and kids uh, and nobody's cleaning up the background behind their camera. It, it really is um, a sort of warts and all level of vulnerability that approaches how it would be in an actual office setting in a, in a small business. Uh, and I think that's what you have to do, right? You, you can't just say, Hey, we're going to allow people uh, to be personal in, in their digital interactions, you have to almost force it, right? You almost have to assign that level of, of personal intimacy in order to make it work. And that's uncomfortable for a lot of leaders and certainly different than the historical norm. So one company that I know did something cool when the pandemic first hit and they had to move everybody to work from home, they were growing. They only had like 25 employees and they soon had 50 and they had a weekly team meeting. And what they did is that everybody was assigned, you knew a week or two in advance it was going to be you, but they did show and tell like you might do uh, in a kindergarten class. And what it was, was it was show us your favorite thing in your house. And it started off, someone showed like an antique that their grandfather had made and somebody showed something else. Then somebody showed their kids and somebody showed their pets and their spouse. And then it sort of took on a life of its own where if you had that three minutes to show us your favorite thing in your house, it was preset and, and everybody looked forward to it. And he said it actually built culture amongst their people while they were apart. And I thought that was a really good idea. Oh, I did. It's so great. I did a, um, an event a few months ago for a pharmaceutical company. I was the MC, uh, and, and same kind of thing people knew in advance, but we did a live on zoom dog show just like Westminster and everybody who had a dog would like would trot their dog in front of the camera and they would be like, this is a, you know, whatever hound. Uh, and everybody would kind of clap and applaud and we voted for the best dog. It was amazing. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, that kind of thing can, can really go uh, a long way. And and as a leader, you've got to just make time for it. And the whole time you're thinking, how much of this dog show costed me, but it's okay because it's going to pay off in, uh, in relationships between your team members. All right. So if you took out your crystal ball and you looked into the future, do you think that we get out of the pandemic and things go back to normal? Do you think we stay in it and we are the same? Or do you think we get out of the pandemic and the world is entirely different? What's the future looking for business when it comes to customer and employee experience? Well, I'm not a virologist, um, obviously, but to say through it, out of it is probably not true, right? If you look at historically, the only respiratory disease that's ever been cured in the history of mankind is smallpox. That's literally it. It's a list of one. So, so 
fully done. I don't see that mathematically as possible, but learn to live with it the same way we learn, learn to live with the seasonal flu. Yeah. That's where I think we're headed is that sort of endemic. Um, it's always around us and that sucks, but you know, it, it, it is what it is. Um, I think that's the direction we're headed. Um, as it relates to business, customers expecting more from business is going to continue, right? The, the we've, we've ripped the, um, the top off the can and that is going to continue to be a challenge for businesses. Look, I've been doing this a long time and I've never heard a customer say, you know, I've been thinking it'd probably be okay if they got back to me more slowly. Like nobody ever says that. Right. So, you know, what, what is, what is fast today um, is going to be slow and, and on and on and on. So companies will have to continue to, to raise their game. Now we might not have a trampoline effect we had because of the pandemic. Uh, but this idea that good enough is good enough is, is not going to work. Uh, not next year, not five years from now, not 20 years from now. Awesome. Well, Jay bear, if someone's listening to this and they like, I need more of this guy, I want to see his plaid. How do they find you? Here's the best thing to do. I have a newsletter comes out twice a month. It's called the bear facts, the bear facts.com B A E R. It's got customer experience stories and advice, tequila reviews, life hacks, book reviews, podcast reviews, all in each issue, the bear facts.com. You'll love it. Awesome. Awesome. Go check that out. The bear facts.com. Hey, Jay, thanks for being a guest here on making waves at sea level. Surf's up. I appreciate it, my friend. Awesome. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every episode, if it wasn't for the the audience, why would we do the podcast? We're coming up on 700 episodes. We're always looking for little tidbits, ideas, and uh, just advice along the way. And that's what Jay gave us today. Tune in twice a week, every Tuesday and Thursday, where you're going to find information with, information with interviews with entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and other people who are making waves in business. And in the meantime, go out there, flex your business muscles, make sure your career ladder is against the right wall, because there's nothing worse than climbing the career ladder only to find out you did it in the wrong place. And while you're out there doing all this, have some fun along the way. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.